You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Good morning, everyone. So, did, who went to, I don't know, who went to a Bible camp growing up? Okay, so there's a few of you. Do you guys, are you guys familiar with the, the term sword drill? Okay, basically a sword drill, for those of you who are not aware, it's where you, you at camp, this is how I was, became aware of it, is everyone put their swords up, their Bibles up in the air, and then the, the leader shouted a reference, and the first person to try and find it got the reward of reading in front of the whole camp. <laughs> so, it's like, right on, good reward. So, it's not very good for introverts, but... Um, as obviously we, we don't have PowerPoint, so I was thinking, I was like, well, we could, we could do that today, you know, if you guys, but okay, who has a paper Bible actually? <laughs> so I guess it's just a matter of who can punch the, the things fastest in their smart key, smartphones, but anyways, maybe when we get to the, the points in the, the, the message where we actually need to read a verse, we can, we can share the load, and that would be awesome to actually to hear other people reading the Word of God as well. In the book of Luke, there's this story of a young rich man, and he comes to Jesus uh, with a question. And he asks Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. And so in a sermon about goodness as part of the fruit of the Spirit, this seems to be like a good place to start. No one is good except God alone. And I really wanted to talk about God's goodness today. I know that the fruit of the Spirit that I'm supposed to talk about is goodness, and the fruit of the Spirit is in us, and the goodness in us. But Jesus himself says no one is good except God. And so this seems to me, for me, to be a good place to start. Because I think if we aren't good, and God is, then we need to talk about God's goodness in order to get a handle on what goodness really is. And so I was pointed to a story in the Old Testament this week. Actually, a, a friend of mine on Facebook had, had posted this one verse, and it really st- stood out to me. Um, in Second Chronicles 20, it tells the story of a huge enemy army coming toward God's people under King Jehoshaphat. And the king did not know what to do about it because he was greatly outnumbered. And so he called a nationwide fast, and he prayed, and he sought the Lord. And one verse of his prayer that was pointed out to me is Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. Go! You got it? Can you read it, Tina? Excellent. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Sometimes I feel like there is a horde coming against me. Hopefully not a literal horde of people coming to fight me, because that wouldn't be good. I'm outnumbered there. But I think a lot of us can agree that sometimes it feels like all of these things are coming at us. You know, the responsibilities the challenges, you know, the stuff that we have to deal with at our jobs, 
uh, you know, being a good parent, being a good spouse. All these things, there, there's a lot of things can add up. And they can feel like a horde coming. And sometimes, personally, I don't know what to do. I really don't because it's just overwhelming. And I think this last week for me was kind of one of those horde weeks. I had a lot of things going on in my mind. Um, a lot of stuff, just stuff of, with people that I, I, I worked with and that I knew. Um, I, work, I worked in a welding shop at plus 38 and plus 40. Not good. Made me really rethink my life choices. Like, I don't know. Uh, Oh, man, air conditioning would have been great. And I was stressed a lot about work stuff because there's just a lot going on. And on top of that, I had to write this sermon on goodness. (laughs) But our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on the Lord. That's what I tried to focus on during the week. Keeping my focus on the one who promises to always be with me, and never forsake me. If we continue to read the story of King Jehoshaphat, God answers this prayer that he prays in a mighty way. He answers the prayer in God's mighty power and goodness, and literally the army of God, the army of the Israelites, stands there, is commanded just to stand there and watch God totally destroy the enemy. God totally takes care of all the problems. When we are confronted with things that are beyond what we can handle, where are our our eyes focused? Are they on God or are they somewhere else? Are we fully putting our trust in Him? Because that's what God wants from us so that He can show us His goodness. God doesn't just do good things. God is good. That's who he is. And I was reading that God's goodness can be summed up in in two words, in giving and forgiving. Now, I like that. It's simple. It's easy to remember. God's goodness is him giving us our daily bread, everything that we need for the day. God hears our prayers and he answers them according to his will. God's goodness is Him giving us health and giving us healthy children and, and giving us the ability to have healthy relationships and families. God's goodness is Him giving us the ability to work and to earn money and to provide for ourselves and our families. God's goodness is Him giving us His Holy Spirit and His presence in hard times and good times. God's goodness is Him forgiving our every sin through Jesus' death and resurrection. God's goodness is Him forgiving the world and loving the world who has rejected Him. God's goodness is Him going to the uttermost to rescue people and to save people. His goodness knows absolutely no bounds. If you were to read Psalm 136, we won't read it all, but it repeats over and over and over that God is good and that God's steadfast love endures forever. So at the same time that as I was contemplating this, that God is good and that how God's goodness is good, (laughs) my thoughts also went to the the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. 
That was kind of something that recently happened. I'm sure we're all aware of that. And it wasn't a very good thing. That's not a very good story. It's, it's not a, a, a happy story. It's, it's a tragedy. It's a, it's a horrible thing that happened. And, and my thought was, well, how is God's goodness visible in that situation? You know, I, it's really hard for me to reconcile a God who is undoubtedly good and something so bad like that happening. And truthfully, I, I don't know how to answer questions like that. I don't know why God allows tragedy like that to happen. But I was, right after that happened, um, I was listening to and I was watching uh, the Broncos team pastor give an amazing reflection on Psalm 23. A guy, his name is Sean Brando, and he gave this a really amazing reflection on Psalm 23 at the prayer vigil following that crash. And he asked the question, where is God in this? It's a very valid question. And he made it very clear uh, through what he was saying is that, that, number one, God is on the throne. God is sovereign. And he himself even said, I don't know how this all works, that, that in this that God's sovereignty is shown, but he had faith and he had trust that God is on the throne, even in that situation. And then number two, God is with us. God is with the people that go through tragedy. In Psalm 23, it says, one of the verses there, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For God is with me. And so even when we walk through these dark places and when we have a horde of problems creeping up on us, God is with us. God is with us. God does not leave us. He walks with us. And in that, there is incredible goodness. He has not forgotten about us. And so how can we say that God is not good? How can we say that God's goodness isn't for us or that we are not worthy of his goodness. The ultimate act of goodness that God gave us is his son. He gave us his son. He gave the world his son, even though the world turned his back on him. He's so good that he prepared a way for us to return to him. After Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered the world, God had this great rescue plan in mind to make it so we could rejoin God that we could be rescued and we could be together with God once again. God's goodness is that God has given us His Holy Spirit to dwell with us. In John 14, 16, and 17, it says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit within us teaches us. It opens our eyes to what the Bible says. It convicts us of sin. It helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit is God's goodness within us. And here's where we tie back into the fruit of the Spirit. All right, that's what we're, we're going through that big series on the fruit of the Spirit. And so this is where we come back to that. If only God is good, 
as we've established from that story in Luke, then we are not good by ourselves. But if God lives in us, then we have God's goodness. We have goodness through him. So those verses in Galatians that talk about the fruit of the Spirit, let's read them once again. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And I found something interesting about the, word, the Greek word for fruit that's used in that, in that passage, the fruit of the Spirit. That word fruit in Greek is karpos. And the main definition is, quite rightly, the fruit of the tree, vines, or of the field. And so the translators have gotten it right when they translate it, the fruit of the Spirit. But the second definition of that word karpos is that which originates or comes from something, an effect or a result. And I found that to be very illuminating because that verse could read, instead of the fruit of the Spirit is, it could read the effect of the Spirit or the result of the Spirit. The effect of being filled with the Spirit is goodness. The result of the Spirit in our lives is goodness. That's pretty neat. The effect of God living in us is that He gives us His goodness, and His goodness enables us to be good. And so the next question that comes to mind is, well, what does goodness look like in our own lives? And I find that the word good is, is really hard to define, right? It's hard to pin down exactly what it means because I think, in, at least in our culture, in our context, we use it in so many different ways. You know, we can be like, wow, that was really good. And so it means something. Or you can see, well, the, the food was good, but it didn't really blow me away. You know, and, and those two words, good and good, can mean something very different in those two things, those two sentences. And I think the definition of good, in that sense, is pretty subjective to the context in which it is being used. So to define goodness in our lives, we usually just say it's not doing something bad. You know, we, we can recognize something bad, and we can recognize something good as they're happening, but sometimes we find it hard to, to pin it down what exactly that means. I found a, a quote by a guy named Steve Taylor. He's a Ph.D. in some field that I don't really understand. But he, says some, he said some really good stuff. So I'm going to read the, this. This is how he would define the word good all right, in the context in which I believe that we're talking about it. Good means a lack of self-centeredness. It means the ability to empathize with other people to feel compassion for them, and to put their needs before your own. It means, if necessary, sacrificing your own well-being for the sake of others. It means benevolence, altruism, selflessness, and self-sacrifice towards a greater cause, all qualities which stem from a sense of empathy. 
It means being able to see beyond the superficial differences of race, gender, or nationality and relate to a common human essence beneath them. So it sounds like someone smart wrote that. I'm sure he is. It sounds really good. I I like that definition, and it reminded me, actually, of very much of a verse in Philippians. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Pretty similar. Differently worded, but pretty similar, I find. And I think right there, if we look at it, those verses in Philippians from a context of defining goodness, I kind of think that we have a pretty decent biblical definition of what it means to be good right there in Philippians. And so ultimately, being a good person means becoming more like Christ. Christ is the ultimate example of a good person. In Philippians, it carries on to say that Christ became like a servant, not thinking of himself, but instead humbling himself to the point of dying for us. And so Jesus is God, and God is good. We need to become more like Jesus. It means we need to take a look at our lives and drop the qualities that are not Christ-like, and instead develop Christ-like qualities. Traits like those listed in, in, in a somewhat famous Bible passage that you'd probably hear at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13. And I find, again, if we read this in the context of, of this is what goodness looks like, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, this is one way of looking at 1 Corinthians 13 is that this is the way, this is what God is. God is love as well. And so love is patient, love is kind. All those things are, are traits of what God is as well. And so these Christ-like qualities of being good, listed in 1 Corinthians 13, it says be, it means to be patient and kind to one another instead of being pushy and rude. Being able to be happy for others and celebrating with other people instead of being envious of their success or boastful of your own. Being gracious and getting off your own high horse instead of being arrogant and rude. Being willing to do things the way others do them, instead of always bullying them into your way. Being truly able to forget other wrongs and look past faults, and instead encouraging people to keep going. Being happy when truth is told and not spreading lies. So as I said, when I looked at that passage, it tells me what God is like, and what he wants us to aspire to. And so in our quest for goodness, be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow him to affect your life. Keep our eyes on God, even when that horde is coming, and trust in his goodness. So the band can come back up as we transition into the time of communion, of celebrating the Lord's Supper. And we get to celebrate Christ's love for us through his death. Christ's goodness to us through his death. And I want to go back to Philippians 2, right after the verses I read earlier. It says this. These are the actual verses. 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in, in the form of God, did not, not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that is the goodness of God to us. In response to this goodness, we respond by having communion. Something set up by Jesus himself when he celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples. We remember Christ's body and blood, and we come as a community, and we remember this by eating a piece of cracker, and drinking a a cup of juice as symbols of what Christ has done for us. And so as we do that, let's remember the ultimate act of God's goodness to us. And may this reminder affect our lives so that we might become good, that we might chase after those Christ-like qualities and become good people in the strength of God. And so I encourage you to come forward and to receive the elements and remember God's thankfulness or God's goodness and thank him for for allowing us and giving us his goodness and his Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you so much for your, your love and for your goodness to us. Thank you that your goodness, I believe, is very evident in, in all of our lives. And I pray that you would give us eyes to see it and hearts to feel it. God, that we would be constantly in a mindset of allowing your goodness to work in us. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would affect our lives. Lord, that it would affect the lives of the the people that we love and the people that we interact with as well. God, that your goodness and we would would cause us to respond with goodness to other people. God, that we would live lives that, that show your goodness to the world. And so as we take communion together as a church, Lord, I pray that we would be thankful and that we would remember and that we would go forth as, as changed people.